You got an entire Bitcoin? Today is May 7th in the year of our Lord, 2021, and it is podcast time. This is episode number 145, and since it's Friday, we do have some kind of financial-ish topics lined up. I figured it's as good a time as any to dust off the old Financial Friday soundtrack and uh, make sure it still works. And uh, hey, it's I'm back on the podcast again, Ann. Hey, welcome back. Who are you again? Oh, yes, it's Super Nerd. Hooray. Yeah, I'm the one who works in the background and makes the audio kind of work somewhat. And uh, no, it's, it's and we just fight like cats and dogs. So you're gone for entire episodes while we're fighting and, and then you come back. Yeah, well, I finally accepted your apology. So we're, we're back to doing the podcast. <laughs> Snappy. Uh, for those of you who might be new to the podcast, we're being extraordinarily facetious. We laugh very hard every time Super Nerd isn't on um it isn't on in person. He's only doing post-production. We get emails about how we're fighting with each other or something like that. And we laugh and laugh and laugh because normal grown-up adult people, folks, don't fight. So, yeah. Well, apparently that started as a, a serious concern by somebody. And, and now now it, if, if it goes more than a week, I start getting direct messages and emails saying, are you and Anne fighting again? Smiley face, <laughs> smiley face. So I, we have that to look forward to. Indeed. Um, something else to look forward to. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been over a week since the last podcast. That was the, um, the first picture of Dos Equis, which, um, now is as good a time as any, um, well done. Nice. And that, that podcast has gotten quite a bit of, uh, traction and feedback. And I think it crossed 10,000 downloads or listens. It crossed 10,000 on Podbean from what I saw. Yeah. So that's, that's quite the uh, event. And, uh, yep. some people were wondering, Hey, when's the next podcast going to come in? Usually they, they don't, um, have quite the same, uh, looking at the stats, they taper off a lot faster. It's, it's like a, a bunch of very sharp spikes and then they d- drop down right again. But this one's had a very slow taper and kind of, kind of uh, is, is maintaining still. So I think that's going to continue to get some downloads. There was a lot of really interesting, uh, content in that one, especially nurse Claire and the whole idea of shedding, uh, that's going on. It's, it's odd that we've been so anti-mask this whole time. And for the first time, I'm actually thinking I might want a mask <laughs> to well, protect I myself mean, from all these other mutant injected uh, people. No, the spike protein itself is going to be so small that it won't it won't do you any good. And am I sequestering myself or doing? Nope, absolutely not. Look, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to I'm going to go where I need to go, do what I need to do. Um, as much as I can, I don't wear the mask, so I can't go into stores or anything, but, um, where I am, there is outdoor dining. So I'm availing myself of that, not being afraid of anybody, carry my bottle of ivermectin around in my backpack purse with me at all times, ready to go in case I should, you know, meet someone, strike up a conversation, whatever. Um, I'm, Look, you, you at a certain point, you just got to throw yourself into the into the hands of the divine providence and um, whatever he needs me to do. And if that includes if that includes dying, then that's what's going to happen. If the divine providence is, is that this thing turns into a, a absolutely toxic killer thing that just sweeps across the planet and and they they are successful in wiping out x percentage of the population well you know it's been prophesied and our ladies warned about it and it's in scripture <clears throat> that the the good will die with the bad and the sorting will be by our lord 
um, you can't be resentful or anything of any of that. So I'm just or gonna, even, or even timid or scared about it. I mean, it's, it's no, going to, yeah. it's going to happen one way or the other, just accept uh, divine will and do what you need to do in the, in advance so that you're not scrambling and saying, gee, I wish I had time to get, get to confession. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So just keep going and don't fear death. Be not afraid. Um, and I know it's a lot easier for me to say that because I don't have kids and, and all that. And I hear you and I understand that, but look, do you, do you think that, um, you know, people for, for thousands of years who have, you know, lived their lives and wars have come and gone and invasions have come and gone that, that people with children were somehow exempt from anything. No, they weren't. Um, they, they were called to fight and die too. And, and they would, and they would die. And, um, it's, it's part of it. And as a culture, we've got it, we've got it coming good and hard. And so you just have to resign yourself to it and be brave and put a smile on your face and go down swinging if that's, if that's what it comes to. Or just go about doing your daily, your, your, whatever, whatever it is you do on a daily basis, the Aja yeah. Quadagius, I forget which saint it was, probably when the Jesuits were still Catholic as one of them, who they were having a discussion during recreation time and, and they, they had a billiards table and somebody said, well, if the world was going to end in 30 minutes, what would you do? And, and some of them said, I'd want to go do some prayers or I'd want to go to confession. And, and one guy said, I just keep shooting pool because it's recreation time. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So mm -hmm. don't, don't freak out. Don't stop doing what you're supposed to be doing in, in your daily lives. So, you know, it, you know, for example, I got this great feedback since the last time we were on. Um, I found out that there's uh, at least one couple in the world who plan date nights around our podcast. So just keep doing those things that, that you would normally be doing uh, any other time and just go about it. So, yep. One day at a time. That's uh, you can't events are so um, you can't get out, get out ahead of these events. And so there's no it's it's futile to even try. Even when times were normal. Remember, I used to be a forecaster and I figured out pretty quick in the early 2000s that this that is just ridiculous. You just can't do it. I was going to say it's really difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. <laughs> well said and you just you can't you can't do it it's a it's it's um extremely prideful and i would cover this in my cattle marketing schools you know i mean you know you, you will have knowledge you will be like god um where where have we heard this before that I, I can give you the secret knowledge so that you can see into the future and and violate the laws of physics and the physical constructs of the universe oh yeah give me money i've got all this information and you will be like god where have we heard this before and twitter all those christian all, i was gonna say go twitter ahead. twitter and all the bitcoin forums Exactly. And all of those cattlemen, most of them were Christians and their eyes would get all big and they'd start nodding their head and they'd say, oh, yeah, I guess we kind of have been um, doing something inappropriate that we probably shouldn't be doing. And maybe that's why we've not been able to be consistently profitable, because our entire uh, base premise of how we're trying to run our business is just rooted in some prideful Gnostic even superstitious neo-pagan i used to call say that the forecasters they're just they're just um latter-day fortune tellers you're just you're just handing your money to latter-day gypsies 
who are trying to tell you that they can they can read the tea leaves and tell you what the future's going to be and this is this is abject nonsense you've got to stop this you've got to live in the moment what is the situation right now because that's the only thing you can do anything about and such is the case here we sit in the 2021 exactly the same <clears throat> advice stands you just got to live in live in the moment live in the day and we'll take this thing one day at a time and keep fighting and doing the right thing Keep going to mass. Keep going to confession. Keep praying the rosary, and, and what happens happens. You're not. You can't. You you can't change the the tides of the oceans or anything like that. We're gonna have to keep just plowing along in this. And people like me, I'll keep yelling and screaming at the internet, and Nurse Claire the same, and and you know getting this information out about what's going on. But um, you know, making any long term anything is, I think, just. Uh, you're just looking to get yourself worked up, and that that doesn't serve any good purpose. No, you just continue on, like I said, with with whatever it is you were going to do anyway in your in your normal life, and if that means going out to dinner and and uh, having a date night or something like that, go ahead and do that. And sometimes you meet some very interesting and wonderful people along the way. Yes, and that happened to me tonight. Outdoor dining, like I said, lovely young couple, lovely young couple. And uh, told them that they should have 10 children and <laughs> that they're going to have to repopulate the earth. And, and after they their were, eyes uh, got, you know, got shoved back into their sockets. His, they- did. his, his eyes got very, very big. She was, she was a li- surprisingly, she was a little bit more amenable to the idea of, of at least replacing more than themselves. But um, yes, um, it's just, you got to get out there and don't be miserable and be happy. And there, there actually are, it's, it's easy to get caught into the idea that everyone around us is just a brainwashed zombie COVID idiot. And it's not true. There's a, there's a surprisingly, there's surprisingly large amount of people out there who are switched on and they just need someone to kind of conversationally open the door and and so that they feel like they're free to talk about it because I, I get the sense that people are genuinely afraid at this point to um, to volunteer that they're not on board with the COVID religion. And so by all means, you should speak up and strike up conversations and you might be doing something somebody a tremendous favor by just giving them the opportunity to talk and to vent and to say, yeah, I, I don't believe any of this and <clears throat> do it so that they don't feel like they're going to be canceled, destroyed, hated on as, as most people, sadly, who are on social media, every time, if they say anything against the COVID religion, then they're risking being destroyed. So any opportunity to, to let people talk and vent and say, yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy into this. It's a, it's a way to let people release. Yeah, and it, it, it is weird to, to kind of straddle two different communities of, of people who are not interested in taking the vaccine. Obviously, if you are somebody who goes to a traditional Latin mass community, you are probably well aware of, if you aren't planning to get to get a vaccine or the not a vax, the, the jab. Yeah, it's not you, a vaccine. You certainly, among Latin mass communities, you're going to be in the majority if you're, if you're uh, the folks who say, I'm not going to take the jab. But uh, I've mentioned the podcast, No Agenda, multiple times throughout uh, the history of this podcast. And part of the social groups that have formed around uh, that podcast online and also in person, if you go to any of the meetups, that's this is not a traditional Catholic group, and they're not even Catholic for the most part. Uh, I don't I don't even know if they're Christian. They're they're people who 
are more, I guess you could say, awake to what the media says and does. And so for this group, who I would I would say they're more secular, middle of the road, some lean left, some lean right. But one of the interesting things about that group, they by and large uh, are all saying we're not going to take this jab either. And it's it's yeah. a very interesting uh, dynamic. It's not just traditional Catholics. We're not the only quote unquote weirdos out there who are not going to take this jab. Who who uh, are going to be be taunted with, hey, believe science, you know, from the same people who can't define what a woman is. Um, right. No, I, I actually do know a little bit about science and statistics. And uh, even though it was the, the class that broke my straight A's in college, uh, epidemiology, this these things that they're calling vaccines right now are not safe. And no. and if they were, if they were, they wouldn't be so adamant when uh, in shouting you down and you start asking questions. If you can't ask questions about something, that's not science. That's dogma Amen. or it's religion. Yep, Exactly. Um, and it's, it really is, to me, it continues to be stunning to the extent to which um, this is a religion and these people have all converted to it with this zeal, the same sort of zeal, exactly the same, same psychological profile as you see with um, jailhouse converts to Islam. And a lot, of, a lot of the people who end up being Islamic suicide bombers um, are in fact they were first exposed to it in a jailhouse situation and they become these converts and then it becomes murderous and so it really is amazing to me to see how much of a religion this is and all of the psychological profiles that go along with a a cult religion like this is exactly what we're seeing from upper middle class, um, nominally Christian white people. And I think it's bringing into such stark relief how far gone the, the heretic Protestants and the, the, the basically the heretic Nova Sordo Catholics, it's showing how far gone they are that they converted to this religion within basically, you could measure it. I think you can measure it in hours. I think you could probably say 96 hours. A lot of these people um, just from watching television converted to this, this COVID religion. And it just shows you how bad and how far gone quote unquote Christianity in all of its various and sundry forms, just how far gone it was that these people in 96 hours converted to a completely a, a Luciferian religion and became just, and have become completely militant, shrieking, um, on the cusp of violence. And, and a lot of people, I mean, we see all the videos on that end up on social media of people becoming violent, um, upper middle class white Americans becoming violent, um, because of this and this religion that they've converted to. How did that happen? It happened because they were, for all intents and purposes, completely, totally fallen away from Christianity. N- not even, yeah, you go to you go to the United Methodist Church or you go to the, the Presbyterian Church or Super Fun Rock Band Church or whatever it is. You are, those people are so far afield from the one true church and the one true faith and the holy sacrifice of the mass and the Eucharist. They've never had it in their, their entire lives. And, and now everything has just fallen so far away that there isn't even the, the sort of cultural cohesion that you saw up until, I mean, 
early in my life, I'm born in 1976. I mean, there was there was social pressure on people, including atheists, to be seen going to church on Sunday, Protestant church. I mean, it was it was something that you needed to do to be a respectable member of of the community in the United States. And now, I mean, it's just it's it's so far afield and it's such a joke. And the embracing of sodomy, the embracing of divorce, the embracing of contraception, obviously, that there are real consequences to that. If you're if you're so far gone in in any branch of anything that you even claim to be Christianity, that you're embracing things that are just objectively mortally sinful and have been recognized as mortal sin since the dawn of man, and you're just all in on these things, if you're that far gone, well then yeah, when Satan says, all right, the, the field is, is fertilized, he launches this Freemasonic, um, this Freemasonic iteration and everybody falls for it hook, line, and sinker, converts to it in 96 hours, and is ready to literally start killing and destroying their neighbors um, within inside of a week. Uh, well, uh, can we really say we're surprised? Oh, it, it, is, it is surprising to observe it on the ground firsthand, but if you sit and think about it, no, no, it really isn't surprising. We should have known that something like this was going to come around. And of course, it, you know, it's really popular to, to uh, rag on the baby boomer generation. And it, it is true that they're largely at the, at the, um, at the forefront of this, um, that they're the ones who are driving it and it's their narcissism and their self-absorption and their whole mindset that they think that they should never die and the world should stop so that they don't even get a cold, you know, that's the kind of, of um, just broad spectrum narcissism that we're dealing with, with that particular generation. And it is true, but then they pass that narcissism onto their kids, Gen X, who have then passed it on to their kids, the millennials, and now the Gen Z, they're just, Gen Z, according to Father Ripperger's stages of the generational spirits, Gen Z are the ones who their, um, their generational demonic oppression is they're going to be, they're going to be Luciferians. They're going to be actual devil worshipers. And then the question is, well, Father Ripperger, what is the generation after that? And the answer is there is no generation after that. Once you get to that point where you have the people who are in control, who are openly worshiping Satan, which we, we see that, we see that bubbling up now, um, you cannot expect that your civilization is going to survive that. And you talk about how do people go from being more or less normal? I mean, granted, it was it was all under the the covers, you know, ready to to, to burst out. But how do they go from being normal to uh, accepting the COVID religion basically within ninety six hours? And it's for one thing, it's right in scripture. Uh, men felt wilting away for for fear of what is to come. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we got this Wuhan flu or whatever or Kung flu or whatever they called it initially. And it's going to kill us all. We better do whatever the government wants us to. Uh -huh. Or if you will, in a more secular example, Master Yoda told us, fear is the path of the dark side. And you can do, if fear, and also to quote uh, Rick James, fear is a powerful drug. 
you get mm. people to fear you and you can get them to do anything. It, it's you're, you're no longer guided by rationality, but yeah. just the, the base survival instinct. You make them sufficiently scared and then you present, well, this is one way you can survive. Just keep a mask on or two or three permanently and take this jab and still keep the mask on and get an annual booster and uh, get these little passports and everything. And yeah, but you're good to go at that point. And never be around anyone ever again. Um, you know, the, the whole isolation and all of that. And how, what is the vector of all of this television, which is why I've been for a decade now, over a decade, I have been telling people, cut the cord, cut the cord, cut the cord. Millions did. And not only because people got sick of the mainstream media, but also because of the advancing in the technology and streaming and so on and so forth. Now there's plenty of evil streaming, but the main vector, I think still to all of this has been quote unquote news on television and people sitting around and watching the talking faces on the Flickr box saying, oh my gosh, X number of people died today. Well, has anybody sat down and looked at how many people died of, you know, viral pneumonia just as an elderly person? Where was that in the economy of of the natural lifespan of of human beings in the human population? I think it's the number 3 cause of death. There's heart attack, there's stroke, and then there's pneumonia. And pneumonia means cold flu, old person dying, um, immune system failing, and it just, it gets in, it latches on, and it's the end of their life, and they die. And it, again, going back to the baby boomers, they are narcissists, They ha- and they're apostates, and they cannot come to grips in any way with their own mortality, with death, with anything like that. And so, well, then, yes, we have to, we have to destroy everyone's life in order to keep me from getting the sniffles because I'm 78 and I'm, and it might turn into, it might turn into a lethal case of pneumonia and I might die and I can never, ever, ever die because again, they're apostates and they don't believe there's anything beyond that. That's another reason why they've, there's been so much success with this. And it's why anti-Pope Bergoglio just keeps pounding and pounding and pounding on all this to absolutely nobody's surprise because he is a complete materialist. He, he clearly does not believe in anything supernatural. He never, I mean, it, by all means, if you can find quotes from anti-Pope Bergoglio saying anything about eternal life, heaven, th- that being the, the end of man, there's nothing. The guy says nothing about ultimately the point of the church. And that is to to get men into the beatific vision. He clearly doesn't believe in any of that. And so that's why he's leveraging all this because he is in direct partnership with the new world order, this one world government and this new religion, the anti-Vatican and the anti-Pope are hand in glove with this COVID religion which is the final iteration of Freemasonry and the New World Order, One World Religion. So no wonder he keeps, he keeps playing because he's Satan's little friend. 
he keeps playing on the baby boomers, narcissistic, um, self-absorption, disbelief, and inability to deal with their own mortality. And so that's what, that's the bubbling cauldron that a lot of this has come out of. And then the kids, um, they, they just have, they have such a sucking maw, such a dearth of, of a religion and a, in the sense of none at all, they have been, they've been raised to be so a-religious that that vacuum, that hole in their being, which want, which desperately wants something, it's, this is obvious. Why do all these children, why are these teenagers so on board with this and militant about this? Because the human heart wants religion. And when you take away the one true religion or even anything, you know, tangentially connected to the one true religion as all the forms of Protestant Protestantism, for example, if you take all of that away and there's nothing there, those kids are going to jump on the first Luciferian BS con that, that comes down the pike and all that's needed, all you have to do is put it on television. Just put it on television. That's all you need. And everyone will fall for it. I'm trying to so. remember the, the name of the character, but I say character, but I'm, I mean the person. Uh, it's from, I want to say, um, Marin County in, in, in uh, California, just north of San Francisco. A very rich, very liberal area. Uh, somebody who, you know, who played soccer where they never kept score, who had equal outcomes. Everyone gets a participation trophy kind of thing. This guy goes and joins uh, Al-Qaeda. And was uh, oh, in yeah. Afghanistan back at the beginning, and I think he was tried for a capital crime, perhaps because he aided and abetted. Because the he was involved in the death of Johnny Spann, who was the first something. person I killed after nine eleven. I want to say it was Richard something was his name. I, I don't. I apologize to all the Richards if I'm wrong on that. But uh, the point is, this guy went from a just complete milk toast liberal. Um, north of the Bay kid to, hey, these these Islamists actually believe something and they, they have conviction and they're willing to do the arduous thing. This is appealing. And to your point about, you know, people, people are going to have a religious connection and experience one way or the other. If they don't have it authentically the way God wants us to, to worship and have religion, Satan's going to give them an option. And it's not going to be the one that, that's going to be bringing about peace. Oh no, no, no. What's it? What's his name? American Taliban. Hold on. I almost got it. What's his name? Adam, Adam something. Uh, I remember being American Taliban, but I'm, I, I don't remember. John all. Walker Lind. L I N D H. Uh, My yep. apologies to the Richards. There you go. It's the Johns. It's not the Richards. Well, speaking of the new world order, Sounds like sounds like somebody's getting civilly divorced. Apparently, have you heard about this? Uh, yeah, I, you mentioned not being uh, following the news and, and whatnot. I, I tend to follow more uh, geeky news. One of the websites I follow is Hacker News, and yeah, Monday morning the the headline comes across: Bill Gates is getting divorced. And and, and looking through the news, yeah, that was a little unexpected. The biggest surprise to me: he had three kids. I thought he only had one. I mean, for yeah. some for somebody who is the scion of uh, one of the big wigs of. Uh, the, the Northwest U.S. version or, or, or uh, region of, of Planned Parenthood, whose original name for his um, foundation was, had to do with, with zero population growth. The oh. fact that he actually has three kids, 
I was surprised by that. I I thought he only had one, but you know, I don't keep up with the Gateses, so. Well, you know, it's it's his job to make sure that his uh, his genetics get passed along. So there's a lot to talk about with regards to this. First of all, um, I know there's a lot of people listening who think or suspect that Melinda Gates might actually be a man. I don't believe that. I think she's just, she was cute when she was younger. If you pull up pictures of her um, when she was a kid and when she was a, a teenager, she wasn't ugly. Um, I, I will admit that as she has aged, she has aged very, very badly, strikingly badly, that her face has absolutely mascul- masculinized. Um, but, Worse than Maria Shriver. Yes. Um, it's it, yeah, but then you think about it and think about all of the old, you know, good old German grandmas and good old Italian grandmas that that you've known throughout your life, and women who get up and get up in age and and so on and so forth, and their their physiognomy changes. They don't look like young girls anymore. Um, you know, some of those old German grandmas are absolute battle axes. I don't know. Maybe she just has the DNA um, of when when her DNA ages, it really has that profound effect. But then she's got so much money that she's getting her hair colored and she's getting, and you know, she's got makeup and everything. And we're just not used to seeing women who age like that, you know, fighting it off. But yeah, I, I hear everybody out there. I absolutely admit that she has strikingly masculinized um facial features but i don't i don't think she's a tranny i don't think she's some bruce jenner situation i I don't think it's that at all i just think she's she's an ugly woman as she's aged and there's not a whole lot she can do about that um i don't the whole the whole notion of them getting divorced at all this is big time red flags if you're worth a hundred billion dollars you don't you don't do a civil divorce unless there's a big reason behind it and that would be something like i suspect it it's all tied in with epstein and gislaine maxwell who is epstein's girlfriend who um is in custody and they've been negotiating with her for over a year and they keep negotiating and negotiating and negotiating She's got the dirt on everybody. And it's common knowledge that Bill Gates and Epstein, that Bill Gates's name is all over all of that, flying to that island, et cetera, et cetera. I think that there's a tie-in and that this is probably some sort of a maneuver to try to um, shelter assets somehow, some way, because the, the poops can hit the fan with regards to um, Epstein, the Maxwell trial, and Bill Gates, and it being brought out that Bill Gates was involved in all that. And it, sta- it, it absolutely stands to reason that Bill Gates and Epstein would have been running together. Um, and when, it, and when we're talking about this- the money here and how much people are worth and how these settlements are going to go down, this was the loose, tenuous string that that justified me playing the Financial Friday th- theme at the top. But uh, you know, I think their their net worth right now is 180 billion, and Bill Gates is on record as saying he wanted to basically leave his kids nothing. He wanted to donate everything. One right. of the theories that I heard on a podcast was that maybe, maybe Melinda says, "Forget that noise. I'm going to split your assets in half and make sure that our kids get plenty 
as a as a um, as an inheritance. Ah. I don't I don't necessarily buy that, but I want to draw attention to one one particular thing that jumped out at me. I, I looked at the article in the Atlantic on uh, the Gates divorces about more than marriage, and keep in mind the Atlantic is owned by the the widow of Steve Jobs. Um, mm, uh, okay. Powell, I forget her, her, her full name, but uh, the, the phrase I, I highlighted that they no longer believe they can grow together as a couple. Hmm. Nobody who has the faith can say that. Yeah, that that's a, that's a clear mark. They don't have the faith and, and they are, they are outside of, of, of the truth. So what, what did they ever see marriage as being in the first place? I mean, Christians understand that marriage, you, you get married at the foot of the cross, um, perhaps literally in some cases, in fact, I just went to a wedding this, this, uh, last weekend where, and it's not the, it's not the first wedding where I've seen this where the, the, the bride and groom, as they exchange the vows, they literally put their hands at the, on a crucifix. Wow. And they are saying we are marrying in the shadow of the crucifix. We accept this vocation, which while it has its joys, it also is going to be a crucifixion here on earth. Mm-hmm. And we take it willingly. We offer it to you and, and we do so that we may bear fruit to populate heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a wild guess that Bill Gates and Melinda French didn't have that in mind when they decided uh, to get married. Yeah, yeah no. And what was, was his family, did they even claim Catholicism in any way? No, I it's know her she family. she claims to be Catholic to this day. Her family. In fact, uh, the, the kids apparently were taken to a, <clears throat> air quotes, Catholic uh, services in, in the Seattle area. Hmm. I know there well, are some I'm, legitimate Catholic services, uh, SSPX fraternity. There might even be a set of a contest or two in that neighborhood. But I would imagine that's not where the Gateses were going. Yeah, I'm thinking not. I, I don't think anybody has any illusions about these people believing anything. I mean, and I mean, these two people are sitting at the head of the largest baby killing Moloch worshiping operation in human history. And now they're sitting at the head of this, a human depopulation uh, operation, obviously, and they're quite open about it. Um, there's, there's, <laughs> it's, it's all lip service. So, yeah, there's, they, they have no belief in in marriage in and of itself. Um, that that doesn't mean that they're not married. They are married, but um, they don't. When you have when you have a net worth that high. If, if the issue is that I don't think we can grow together as a couple or they just don't want to be around each other anymore, like uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, when you have that much money, you, you don't need to get civilly divorced. You just, you know, she has her 10 houses and he has his 10 houses and they're, you know, flying around doing their various and sundry things and, and never the twain shall meet like Bill and Hillary Clinton. You don't need to get civilly divorced. They clearly don't believe in the sacrament of marriage. So if either one of them were were desired to commit adultery, they would go ahead and do that. There's no impediment there. The reason they're doing this has something to do with money and your your theory about making she wants her kids to get something. Because, yeah, he was on the record saying his kids would get 10 million apiece, 10 million. And he's worth 100 and however, however much billion that he wanted them to, you know, have, have the impetus to, and the motivation to, to make something of themselves. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, she wants to protect that. I think it's more about protecting it from what's coming down the pike with regards to Epstein 
The other thing I want to circle back to, which I mentioned last year um, and maybe two years ago now, I, I think she has aspirations for national level office. Um, and, you know, the whole Biden situation, it's just a matter of time before the announcement comes down that he's dis- that he's going to resign for health reasons, whatever. And all kinds of things are going to start happening at high level national office. Um, and I, I've been saying for a long time that I think she wants in on that. I think she wants to be president. Um, and I think that at this point, Bill Gates is so poisonous and so toxic as a brand, and he's so creepy and he's so Asperger's that if she wants to be president, that she's gonna have to she's gonna have to shed him and get him off stage somehow. It'll be interesting to see if she changes her name back. I'm going to say right now, if she changes her name back to her maiden name, if she goes back to Melinda French, I think that's going to be almost a sure sign that she wants to be president. Well, she's been the one who's been more involved in running the the Gates Foundation. And I would imagine one of the, uh, watch for this one to happen first. It's not going to be the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation anymore. It's not going to have Bill and Melinda or Gates in the name, and it's not going to be zero population growth like it was initially either. Mm-hmm. It, they're going to rebrand the the um, the foundation first, and yeah. that that is Melinda's thing day to day. In fact, there yeah. there was a famous fight that Melinda and, and Bill got into because every year Bill would write the annual. Uh, letter to all the foundation supporters and whatnot and she got ticked off that she couldn't at least co-write it uh in in more recent times i think she more or less runs the organization now bill's all into vaccines because he's a doctor now and something but uh he, he couldn't care less about the foundation except where it kills people i think that melinda's interest is in whatever they're going to rename the foundation and mm-hmm. whether they part whether she wants to parlay that into higher office or just getting higher or whatever i think that's going to be her thing and mm-hmm. Bill is he's going to continue being playing Dr. Mangala and making vaccines and I don't think Melinda's into that. Hmm. Well, I mean she's she's hardcore into sterilization. So, I believe that this is all um I I don't know if it's a mass murder project or if it's a mass sterilization pro- project. I mean, the stuff we're hearing and um I was chit-chatting with nurse Claire earlier today and it looks like it looks like the next episode 146 will be me and nurse Claire because she's heard some more things that are super duper creepy. I'm not going to say it yet, but it's, it'll be on 146. Creepier than Bruce Jenner. uh, Yeah. And it, it has to do with um, mass sterilization. So, um, and that's Melinda's jam. She, sterilization is her jam ironically because you know bill gates senior bill gates's father sat on the national board and was a bigwig in planned parenthood for decades i mean way back that was his jam was was baby killing so i mean all of this business of human population control eugenics it's all swirling around and i think melinda thinks that she can be the the publicly <laughs> presentable non-Asperger's face of all this, which is ironic because we started talking about her with the fact that she has this super creepy man face. Um, I don't but know how got, she she's thinks. Got a more, she's got a more pleasing voice than Bill does. Yeah. And she doesn't have, you know, she doesn't twitch and, you know, just do the, the creepy, awkward things that Bill does. And it, 
I mean, if I'm if I'm going to stand back from an amoral perspective and look at her, he said, "Yeah, I can see I can see what she's thinking. If she wants to be president of the United States, she's got to get him out of the picture somehow." I mean, she should. And well, you know, there, <laughs> I was going to say she can't kill him, but um, it's interesting. There are already people. There are already headlines coming out because of Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell and everything that's happened there. Um, and now this divorce filing, there there are people snarkily saying um, Bill Gates did not commit suicide. That's already being talked about, you know. Um, so we shall see. We shall see. But that's that's kind of my my rant about that. It's just going to be very interesting to watch. And I mean, it's going to end up. We could end up with no joke. Talk talk about like biblical prophecy. What is it? So is it in Isaiah or Ezekiel? It's one of them that says that you'll be ruled over by women and children. So we could end up with like Melinda Gates as the as the president of the quote unquote United States of America. Yeah, Bruce Jenner running around as the uh, as the governor of California. I didn't even and bring that up earlier, but that that is such a weird thing that that's even happening. Oh, I think it's totally going to happen. I think I think he can win, and I think he can win easily because a lot of you might not realize Bruce Jenner has been politically, fiscally, let's say, fiscally conservative. He's been on the right for his entire adult life. He's he's always been. I think he's been a registered Republican for uh, many years, but he's all he's always been. Um, critiquing the the tax regime in California, et cetera, et cetera. So he's going to stand up and he's going to start saying some really fiscally conservative things, especially for California. So everybody's going to go gaga about that. All the half of the lefties are going to say, well, we have to vote for, for it because it's a tranny. Um, so he'll get that block. I, th- I think he'll win, and I think he'll win pretty handily. Then the next step is, the next thing people are talking about, is that psychopath Meghan Markle. She wants to be in the U.S. Senate. She wants to be appointed. Diane Feinstein, the senator from California, has been dying of Alzheimer's for a long time. And she's getting to be now where she's in really bad shape. And I think she's over 90. And so the thought is is that she uh, is going to resign and then someone is going to be named, just appointed to fill her Senate seat. And there's quite a bit of time left on it, if I'm not mistaken. And you know who wants it. And this isn't a joke. It's Meghan Markle. So you could end up with Melinda Gates as president, Bruce Jenner as governor of California, and Meghan Markle as the one of the United States senators from California. And I'm just like, at this point, you know, floor it. I'm with SpongeBob. Floor it. Floor it. <laughs> just let, let's get, let's just go to maximum strangeness because at a certain point it's getting to be, it, it, there's, it's amusing. And if you have kind of the dark gallows sense of humor, which I certainly have, it's a, uh, it's amusing to watch. Well, I, I, I have contact with contact with some folks in California and I, I hear that Kevin Falconer is the, ideal Republican candidate that can come out, but maybe that was the wrong term to run. Yeah. For, come out. <laughs> um, yeah I suspect, I suspect you're right. Bruce Jenner is going to run for governor and probably win. And I don't know if the campaign slogan is going to be transitioning California to success. I don't know. Uh, uh, at this point, I hope it is. I mean, why not? 
that probably that would probably get him more votes. It, 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 truly, if if he had a self-deprecating sense of humor about it and and crack jokes about it because a lot of people are getting pissed off including people on you know what's what's now the American center and even the center left are getting seriously pissed off about this you know nazistic regime and with regards to pronouns and crap like that if Bruce Jenner comes out and has a sense of humor and and laughs about that he'll oh that'll just that'll just add on to his his margin of victory i should stop talking cuz i'm like giving giving coaching tips to bruce jenner on how to win the the governorship of california and no not doing that just commentating just commentating well it's a low bar to clear yeah <laughs> Oh, man. We were on some other topic uh, relating to Bill Gates at some point. I wanted to bring up, in, in talking about this Atlantic article, one of the other tidbits that jumped out at me in this article is that the Gateses own more farmland in the United States than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think prob- people are looking at that and wondering why I haven't written about that. I, I obviously, you know, jumped online and looked at where this farmland was and, you know, let me let me see what's going on here. Um, it's, it's in weird places. A lot of it is in like Louisiana, Arkansas. There's obviously a lot of it up in, um, Washington state. And you, you know, you're, you'd be kind of intimidated and freaked out that, you know, he's the largest farmland holder in the United States. It's not like he has the capacity to shut down wheat production or corn production. It's, it's not even close. In fact, I think by the looks of it and the geographical location of where this farm ground is, it looks like he's it's soybean country, which would m- mesh in with his fake meat movement and all that. Um, the thing that is far more troubling is that George Soros is one of the largest grain elevator owners, uh, capacity owners in the United States. To me, that's far more troubling than you know, remember the United States is absolutely massive. And for even for Bill Gates to have, I don't even know how many acres it is, hundreds of thousands relative to the total. And even though he's probably, and he is the biggest private, you know, he, you, you, he still doesn't have the power to just shut down food production. Um, the, the person who has the power to interrupt the food supply, bread, pasta, et cetera, et cetera, st- real staples like that is Soros with his control, um, his percentage control of the grain elevator capacity. To me, that's the bigger problem. Um, so, Well, talking about farm futures and, and making this the ag show, I, I understand that corn is going up significantly in price right now. Is, is Soros exerting something there or is that just because China is buying as much as will go? It could be, but... I, you know, at this point, those markets are so corrupt and so messed up that I, I don't know. Is it, is it getting to be that there just isn't any more legitimate price discovery in these things and that it's just exactly like with the, you know, the COVID statistics? Somebody picks up a phone and says, all right, this is what I need to see. I need to see I need to see four times more cases and I need to see it right now. Um well, yeah, and honestly, we just, I, I don't follow the corn markets. I've, I just saw a couple of memes come through one of the channels I follow talking about uh, more than $3 a bushel on corn. I was like, I don't know if that's a lot or not. 
And that really is it. Um, um, let's see, what, what is the date today? This is the 7th. The 7th of May. So we look at July corn. July corn is spot corn. July corn futures. Let's see how high it is. And this farm report is brought to you by Orsland, Orsland Farm and Home. Orsland, tractor supply. Uh, ooh, $7 corn. Yeah, that's really, really, really high. $7 corn is very high. Oh, okay. So three dollar. Okay, yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe it's seven, it's yeah. seven dollars a bushel. The okay. The I I recall seeing something about corn being out out of out of sight in terms of prices, and yeah. this tying this back together. Sorry to bring in the random uh, data points here, but Gates owning farmland, Soros owning elevators, and corn is through the roof, and everything is made of corn these days, and, including beef. And Biden declaring war on meat consumption, and everybody's going to have to stop eating eating meat altogether. Uh, man, you're, you're asking for it with that. And that all has to stop. And it's, it's possible that they think that if they drive the price of corn up high enough, that they're going to just make it impossible to corn finish cattle at all, which, you know, luckily we have a backup alternative here is that you don't have to finish cattle on corn. You can finish them on grass. In fact, there's a lot, a lot of grass, grass finish still going on in Europe and the beef is perfectly good. And people even argue that, that grass finished beef is because it's more, it's more natural and it's a way God built the animal that um, it's better for us when we eat it. But the whole, uh, the whole war on meat thing and Gates is very much involved in that. And it's also, it's all a function of the fact, and they've, I think they've announced this and they've been pretty open about it. They want to pivot this whole COVID thing over to the environment. And they're, they're going to start trying to pivot these, um, these lockdowns away from any sort of a health scare. And they're going to attempt to start doing these lockdowns because, you know, carbon dioxide uh, concentrations. They'll they'll start getting fake uh, carbon dioxide concentrations on the news twenty four seven. The way that they've been um, giving fake COVID statistics, and they're and they'll say, okay, we got to lock down because there's too much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and everybody's going to die. And people will believe this, and people will go along with it. So it's theorized that the whole COVID lockdown thing, in addition to getting to people to take the death jab moving to digital currency. Another thing that they want to do as a result of this is condition people to the idea that, you know, you get a 48 hour notice. Um, They announce on Saturday morning that as of Monday, you're going to be in total lockdown for a month and just get people conditioned to this and going along with this, except the reason will be it's for the environment. You know, we have to do it to save the earth that they want to pivot all of this away. And so um, driving well, sure up the price. I was going to say, ahead. I'm sure you've seen the the news stories about how since everyone is staying home and isolating and working from home, environment has gotten so much better. Pollution is way down. You can see the sky now. Well, you could if you walked outside, but you can see the yeah, sky yeah. now. Oh, yeah, but it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and then we've, that's the lesson of, of the COVID thing. They can go on television and tell everybody that a common seasonal chest cold is is the is the black death and everybody is dying and everybody's going to die and this is the worst uh, 
this is the worst health calamity that has ever befallen the human race ever. And everyone is so damn stupid and so damn gullible and so damn ready to buy into whatever religion that the flicker box is pushing that they'll just sit there and nod. So if you can lie to people and tell them that a common seasonal chest cold warrants shutting down the entire economy, destroying everything, destroying small business, and everybody just nods and smiles and goes along with this, then why why wouldn't they go along with someone going on the TV with a constantly updated ticker feeding fake statistics about how we are all going to die of carbon dioxide uh, poisoning unless we shut down the economy for a month? And again, it all it all ties into digital currency trying to control velocity and trying to get people. And I'm convinced that they will do this. Um, unless a supernatural intervention, is that they're going to destroy the concept of fungibility of money. And what that means is fungibility, fungible currency means if I open up my wallet and pull out a $100 bill and super nerd opens up his wallet and and pulls out a $100 bill and we exchange those $100 bills, we have exchanged identical buying power. There's no difference between the $100 bill in my wallet and the $100 bill in his wallet or, you know, in his PayPal account or anything else. As we stand now, money is completely fungible. They desperately want to get rid of that entire concept. So what that means is that, and because I do what I do and my social credit score, quote unquote, is negative 14 trillion, um, I could have as much money as I want in the bank, in an account, whatever. I won't be able to buy, but I'll be. It, it will be set based on my social credit score that I will only be able to buy, for example, forty dollars a month worth of food, whereas anyone else could spend, you know, hundreds of dollars a month on food. I'll only be able to spend a tiny tiny amount of, of money on food, or you won't be able to buy gasoline, or you'll only be able to buy $100 a month worth of gasoline, et cetera, et cetera. They, they need to have that ability to set, set the buying power of each individual person. So it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter the quantity of dollar units that you have in your account that you have possession of. That doesn't matter. What matters is what is your social credit score and what has the regime determined that you will be permitted to spend on these various and sundry things, including the the necessities of life, food, clothing, shelter, energy, transportation, just everything. They have to be able to control your spending through controlling fungibility on an individual basis. And so I think that's ultimately where all this is going. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of redlining and the the idea if you were not of the correct race, you could not get a loan or, or if you're trying to buy a house in a particular zip code, you could not get a loan to buy a house. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I've mentioned the MoFax podcast multiple times and, and 
thumbs up to you guys who started listening to it. I get uh, some emails and, and uh, tweets saying, hey, thanks for mentioning that. No, but I forget which episode it was because I'm, I'm catching up on it still. But uh, the, the, one of the things that Mo says from time to time is, hey, whatever they are going to do to all of you, they do it to us first. And he's talking about to, to black people. So mm-hmm. just think back of all the institutional racist things, and there really is such a thing uh, about this, and redlining is a good example of it. If you are a certain color or if you are trying to buy a house in a certain zip code, nope, no loan for you. Go five blocks over, and if you happen to be white, okay, sure, uh, Chester, you get a, you get a loan. But, but uh, yeah, apply this now to social credit score and uh, what is it you say you believe and what is it you're posting online and, and all yep. the other factors that go into it. Yeah, it's not so much that you're going to be limited to $40 a month for food. It's going to change how much your your the price for this is going to be. So you get to buy food for $40, but um, somebody else, hey, $6 is enough for you because we're going to subsidize the rest. Ah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, it's it it's just that that totalitarian need to control totally, <laughs> hence the word totalitarian, to totally control the distribution of goods and services and access to goods and services on an individual level. Um, so if it, I, I don't know, I, I obviously think that this should have gone to a shooting war a long, long, long time ago. But if there's a move to reissue a new digital currency, if you, if you we, don't we have it, one, Huh? We have one. Remember when we did but, the when we did the podcast? Uh, it was a series of podcasts on on uh, Bitcoin, and that was my personal education on Bitcoin as well. One of the things I looked up is what what is the money supply that we know of, and how much of that is in physical species. And at the time, this was what two years ago. Bitcoin was at three thousand at the time. That's what I remember now. It's like sixty thousand plus now. So it's been a little while. At the time. And that was before all of the all, all these massive multi-trillion dollar um, just make-believe spending plans uh, after COVID hit. At the time, only 10% of the money supply was in physical form. Now that we've bloated the budget sheet, the balance sheet at this point, what's it down to? 5%, 3%? Yeah, yeah. We have digital currency already. I mean, I, I think I've made the point before. It's like I get paid um, through ACH into my bank account. I pay my bills uh, electronically, some of them by mm-hmm. ACH. Some I, I handle very little cash. And I would imagine I am not the exception in that, re- in that respect. So the idea of having a social credit score and just turning things off and on, hey, uh, the U.S. bank of what's happening now decided we're going to freeze your account because uh, we're not sure about something you said or did. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. And, and yeah. what will keep everybody in line? We go back to what we mentioned earlier, fear. But the, they'll have to, they'll, they will have to cancel cash. And I think that, that what that's going to necessitate, in order to get rid of paper currency, they're going to have to issue a new digital dollar or something like that. They're going to have to have a rollover into a completely new uh, money paradigm so that they can completely bar the use of cash. I, I handle more cash now than I ever have in my life by far because I live the way I do, you know, but I understand that most, almost most people pay everything um, at this point electronically. Yeah. Do you remember the blessed few years in the early eighties at a gas station where it said there, there was a certain price per gallon for gasoline, but you got a 4% discount per gallon if you paid in cash mm-hmm. that was outlawed. Because the credit yeah. card company said you can't do that, 
they they managed to get all the states to pass laws saying you can't do that. Basically, make, making a, a comparison between cash and credit. Yeah. Um, I I don't think they have to outlaw cash. I think it's getting so rare these days. And you you go to some cafes these right now. They they don't even have cash. They, when you hand them cash to pay for something like a cup of coffee, they're like, "Oh, what is that? Hold on, we have to go go in the back because you know most people just pull out their phones or, or, or a card and they tap the stripe thing and 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 you're coming handing me green paper. I'm not sure. Let me call my manager. Hey, Karen, can you come help me with this? Oh and 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 yeah. I'm not entirely joking. I mean, I've, I've seen it. it. No, it's not that they don't know what to do. It's just that they, that the idea that somebody coming in to pay for something with cash is not the typical thing to the point that they don't even keep cash at the point where you check out anymore. It's well, actually know, at another I've location. Seen, there are videos where they demonstrate that teenagers today can't, cannot make change. I mean, not even remotely. They don't know how to make change. The other thing that I saw that's kind of in the same category. This was shocking to me. I, I don't even know how this is possible. They were asking like freshmen on a college campus somewhere to read um, an analog clock. And these kids can't read analog clocks. So if you have, you know, the analog clock set to, you know, 10 minutes until three, they don't know that that's 250. They, they, they can't read an analog clock. And I, I was... I was gobsmacked at that. I thought people were still wearing watches and that analog clocks were still as much of a thing as they've always been. Apparently not. Apparently there aren't analog clocks in schools or anything anymore. Absolutely amazing. If, if adults, humans can't even read a clock, they're certainly not going to be able to make change. And they're certainly not going to be able to think critically when the the talking faces on the Flickr box are telling them that, you know, the world's going to end unless they lock themselves in their house for a month. So, yeah. Yeah. Reading reading the analog clock, it's like reading cursive these days. And, and I, I listen to so many podcasts and audio sources. I can't remember what in the world I was listening to on this one, but it, it was a situation where somebody wrote something out in cursive. And this was like... Um, I want to say it was school or some sort. I, I don't remember the scenario, but this is something where you kind of smack your head. They turned in this thing written in just beautiful cursive, apparently, but the person they gave it to could not read it. And this is your typical millennial educated, well, air quote, educated person. They look at this and say, this isn't printed. What is this? I can't read it. Well, that's good news. Now we can communicate secretly with each other. We should just start handwriting each other letters now, you know, in cursive. <laughs> That's certainly one theory, and, and I've heard that uh, in, in terms of optical character recognition, um, the the big AI systems that 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 uh, scoop up all the information that exists and tries tries to make sense of it and turn turn it into data, that they still have no idea what to do with cursive. So really, oh, hmm. all right, gonna have gonna have to start practicing again. Right yeah, on. That, that's your NSA code. Just simply write in cursive. Yep. So everyone sending in letters to Anne or to Super Nerd, write them in cursive. There you go. And yes, I do still have a snail mailbox in in the Denver metro area. It's on the website on the contact information page. That, yep that that mailbox is totally checked. So if you would like to write me secret messages in in beautiful lilting cursive, send it to Centennial, Colorado. Yep, you don't you don't necessarily have to have a fountain pen, although that does make it more interesting if you can if you can wield the fountain pen effectively. That's hard. That's a skill. I, I never I never learned 
really how to use a fountain pen. I would make a mess of it, I think, but well, you'll have okay. To, you'll have to take some lessons from super mom. She knows how to do that very well. Ooh, ooh interesting. Okay, cool. Okay, so earlier I made a joke about uh, getting getting the uh, the farm update brought to you by Orshland and, and other sources. Uh, one of the emails that keeps coming in over and over and over um, is, where do I buy ivermectin? You know, Anne, I, I, I've read your blog post. I heard you talk about this on the podcast. Where do I buy ivermectin? And that I did a little bit of binging and Googling and, and the other alternatives for finding things on the internet. And the, the short answer, and I'll put the whole list in the show notes that I came up with, but I just sort of stopped after several of them because it, it, you're covering the nation twice over at this point. Uh, you mentioned the, 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 the store before, Tractor Supply Company. They're mm-hmm. in 49 states. They've got almost 2,000 stores. Uh, Royal King, I forget where in the world they are. Uh, Orshland Farm and Home, Farm and Fleet, Fleet Farm. Those are two different groups two different yes yeah. yes murdochs believe it or not you can buy horse paste online from amazon.com and, and walmart.com uh, oh, yeah. get it online walmart really wants to be amazon so they'll be happy to sell you a lot of stuff um the biggest thing to remember here is you need to get, either get the horse paste and apple flavor is the best according to non-vinny mark and mm-hmm. and also uh if you're going to get the the non-horse paste it has to be the injectable solution do injectable, not do not, not do warm. not get the drench so yeah. inject, injectable only. And and the other thing too, just go to bing.com and search farm supply. If that list of, of, of items that I just read off, uh, if there's nothing close to you, or, or simply go to Bing and search apple flavored ivermectin paste. Yeah. Uh, of course, now when I did that on Bing and when I put this list together, ignore all the results for the Apple store. That's obvious. I mean, it, leave it mm-hmm. to Bing to not get that connection quite right. But... Um, the point is, if you do a little bit of searching on this, and, it, and even it doesn't take much to see, oh, there's like five or six locations around where I live. Even yeah. if you live in Washington, D.C., you don't have to go more than 15 miles to find ivermectin. No, they're, they're everywhere. Farm supply stores are everywhere. The other pep talk that needs to be given is that, guys, if you walk into a farm supply store, um, actually, the, the, the injectable uh, the ivermectin is usually behind glass. So you're going to have to go get an employee of the store and say, Hey, I'd like to buy, um, I need to buy some ivermectin. Can you please open the case? Guys, you need to learn to be discreet and keep your mouth shut. Just walk in, say, I need to buy ivermectin. Thank you very much. You don't need to tell anyone in that store what it is that you intend to do with it, why you're buying it, Etc. Etc. Don't say anything. You don't need to say anything to anyone. You have every right in the world to walk in there and buy that stuff. Do it. Don't don't be a dum dum and start drawing attention to yourself. Well, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this livestock injectable form and I'm going to drink it. And this is for COVID. No, no. Just keep your mouth shut. Be discreet. Don't draw attention to yourself. There's going to be big signs. They've started putting up these big signs. Oh my gosh, this is not for human consumption. There could be lethal side effects that lies. This is 100% false. 
Well, it says right there on the label, this is not for human use. Do you know why it's not for human use? I think we've covered this on the podcast. It's not for human use, according to them, because if you go to a doctor and get a prescription for it, you're going to pay at least, at minimum, 20 times per dose what it costs you to buy the livestock injectable version. Hmm, do you think that has anything to do with it? They don't want you to have access and I was actually talking, who was I talking with about this? Not within the past 24 hours. The whole cold and flu thing. The cold and flu um, symptom remedy market in just the United States is, I don't even know how many billions and billions and billions of dollars a year in sales. Think about it. Think about you go to the grocery store or any pharmacy and you walk down the over-the-counter drug aisle and how much of that stuff is drugs that are specifically sold to treat the symptoms of colds and flu, okay? You got decongestants, you've got you know fever reducers, you've got cough suppressants and on and on and on. And a bunch of that stuff is also placebos. Don't, don't forget about that. So you've got all this massive multi, 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 multi-billion dollar market that is completely contingent upon you actually getting sick from a virus, from a cold or flu virus. They don't want you to have ivermectin and they've kept it off the market all this time because they want you to get colds and they want you to get the flu. They want you to get sick and get and get you symptomatic so that you go to the store or the pharmacy and you buy all of these drugs which have profit margins in them, which are to say the profit margins in all of those um, symptom relievers are exorbitant is putting it mildly, okay? They have they're making massive, massive profit margins off of all of those things. If you've got ivermectin out there. And like I say, all of us should in a sane Christian world, here's this drug, this antiviral that is completely benign. It's safer than aspirin. If every single one of us had a uh, a jar or a bottle of ivermectin pills, exactly like aspirin, if, if everyone had a, had a bottle of ivermectin pills in their medicine chest, and whenever you felt some sort of a bug or a tickle in your throat or something coming on, you said, oh, I'm going to go take two ivermectin and I'm just and I'm going to knock this down. Do you do you know what it would do to the market for all of those symptom relief um, products that all of these pharmaceutical companies are making money hand over fist on? It would utterly destroy. It would it would decimate. It would more than decimate the all of the market for all of these things, billions and billions and billions of dollars in profit would go away overnight for all of these pharmaceutical companies if there was an antiviral drug available that just knocked knocked all these things out before they even became symptomatic. They want you to get a cold. They want you to get the flu. They want you to be symptomatic. They want you to be sick such that you go to the store or the pharmacy and you buy these products. They don't want to give you anything that will knock it out from the beginning so that you never even get a stuffy nose or never even get a cough. You got you see you got to grind grind through the economics of all of this. So that's why that's partially a reason 
why they're trying to suppress and hide ivermectin aside from the COVID crap. They're, they're scared poopless that something like that, that a drug like ivermectin could just destroy the market for NyQuil and Robitussin and every, all, all the, the other decongestants and all of that. So that's a lot of what's going on. It, so big, scary warnings on the label, not for human consumption, could have toxic side effects. Yeah, it's partly it's about COVID, but it's also about they're trying desperately to defend the multi, 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 multi-billion dollar cold and flu symptom relief market that they have. In a just society, these people will be rounded up and um, punished severely. And, and it also yeah. reminds me of another topic that we talked about at one point in time, that uh, nations have their predominant fault. And the United States, it is greed or some kind of um, mm-hmm. over-interest and pecuniary things, whether we are hyperinflating out the, the currency or we're forcing the world currency through you know to everyone at the, through the barrel of a gun. Or, like you were just saying, we suppress legitimate, benign, um, effective uh, solutions to common ailments mm-hmm. so that we can charge 10,000x for a yeah. jab that actually doesn't work and might actually exactly. kill you. Yep. It's, uh, it's messed up. And like we, like we said at the top of the podcast, um, the, Una- the United States has it coming good and hard. And so... You know, we've all grown up in it. We've all been a part of it. Um, we've all participated in it. Not saying collective guilt. Uh, that's 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 a fraught that's a fraught concept. But you just have to understand that the United States culture, um, the what it is exported, Hollywood, all of that. The fact that we've enabled and continue to a- enable and fund and subsidize all of that, um, we, we've got it coming. We've got it coming. We deserve this. And that's going to be part of this is understanding that um, God, God is just. He, he's infinite mercy, but he's also infinite justice. And in order to engage his infinite mercy, you have to be sorry and you have to stop doing what you're doing. And there is basically no macro level indication that the United States is in any way stopping any of this this horrible evil that it's been doing and that it's been pushing and foisting down the throats of the rest of the world. And so, again, there's, you know, begging God, you know, almost every mass there's there's a prayer somewhere within the mass. Um, and by that, I mean the propers that's, you know, begging God to have mercy, have mercy on us, deliver your people. And I hate to be Debbie Downer, but boy, just not seeing any indication on any sort of a meaningful macro level that anybody has any interest in, in repenting and being sorry, deliver us from COVID. Well, um, have you checked what's on TV lately? I mean, every other show is about sodomy and the, um, I don't even want to know what percentage of teenage kids are, are identifying, self-identifying as sex perverts and are certainly in favor of sexual perversion and sodomy and on and on and on. Why? Why do you imagine? Why would God, who is infinitely good and infinitely just, and this even goes to his mercy. 
what, why would he deliver us from this if that means we're just going to descend further into this at this point, stealing your line, super nerd, Sodom and Gomorrah owed an apology. I mean, they were pikers compared to us. Um, Although what? Lot Lot did bargain it down to if, if the if God could find ten just men, yeah, or, or was it less than that? But by, by the end, uh, no, he got it down to five or something, didn't he? I think and he, and still got they down could, to five. and still they couldn't find him. And they couldn't and find that's, him. That's yeah. the amazing thing to think about is 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 bad. And, and you, we can definitely make the objective case that in many ways we are way worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. But at the, at the, yeah. on the other hand, how many people are doing? Uh, just immense intercession with God to the degree that would just boggle our minds if we realized it. I mean, not all of the contemplative monasteries and convents are gone, even even in the United States. Mm-hmm. And I've got to wonder, are they the only ones holding this back at this point? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm really glad you brought that up because segueing, I just posted yesterday Here's a little good news. Apparently, one of the people who's doing um, intercessory prayer in a cloistered environment, completely isolated, will never be seen in, in public again, is going to live the rest of his days just praying, is Father John Carapi. Praise God. He, he nosedived and hit the ground and apparently... Somehow, some way, he was able to get back to his community and he's back in there. And it was, I mean, that's the best news we've heard out of the church in a long time that Karapi isn't living in some mansion in Montana, you know, fraternizing with prostitutes and, and sniffing coke anymore. That that's, that's over and it's going to stay over. And apparently, he's not in the best of health. So he's not going anywhere. Um, he's gonna he's gonna die there, but he's gonna die well. And he's doing intercessory prayer. He's doing exactly that stuff. And so <laughs> the the general judgment is going to be absolutely fascinating when we see who, what, where, when, and how um, kept the earth spinning through all this. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and that's an amazing miracle of grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, that cannot be underscored enough. If you don't know the history and the story of Father John Carapi, the fact that he came back from 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 his walking away from the priesthood and mm-hmm. everything he did to the fact that he's back, he's doing penance, he's he's not in the public light, he's not starting up a, a YouTube ministry, nope. Nope. He's, he's not um, trying to tell everyone what's wrong with the church, He's he's just doing penance someplace saying, father, forgive me and not seeking the limelight. And yeah, like Ann said, he's, he's got the opportunity to die, not just die well, but die very well. Mm -hmm. And some cynical people would say, yeah, far better than he should die. And it's like, you know what? That could be you on the other end of that comment sooner than you might want it to be. So be careful because you know, we're, we're all going to die. None of us are getting out of this alive. And how we die is is really what is the story of our life and the story of our eternity. Mm-hmm. And we can make mistakes as as long as let me rephrase that. It is possible to make mistakes and turn it around. Yeah. And Father Karapi is a great example of this to to shine before our eyes right now. And if all he does in his his expiation is to undo the evil that he did, mm-hmm. that 
and uh, just that little bit. I mean, he's not the only one by any means. No, but this oh, this no. goes to show is like why hasn't the United States been annihilated yet? Yeah, because there are people who who have have gone down the Judas route and turned it around. Judas slash Peter, and I'm mixing my metaphors here, and turn it around and are repenting. And there are yeah. also the pure souls who are doing reparation for things that they've never actually committed, but they're taking on the mm-hmm. offenses of everyone else and offering up expiation for it. Uh, it's it's like um, St. Catherine, uh, the little flower. She wanted to be a missionary more than anything else, but she ended Therese up being of Lizou, a, Therese of Lizou. Well, I said little flower. You said St. Catherine. Oh, Right. I'm I'm mixing <laughs> yeah, I'm just mixing things up. Right You're now. mixing your doctors of the church, your female doctors of the church, yeah. <laughs> yeah they all look the same to me. Um <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um no <laughs> No, the the point being is she wanted to be a, a missionary and she was able to work more good for the missionaries by being a cloistered nun and offering up her little way mm-hmm. and doing it to such perfection that the missionaries were able to to reap rich rewards and or to rich conversions. And I made the Yeah, it was I think I've mentioned it before in the podcast that 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 you posted something that a reader sent you. That was me who sent that. It, it was a comment about uh the, the the cloistered convents being like the heavy artillery of the church. Yes. And when those all go away, you've got a real problem. Just like they're just like the actual military, as opposed to the church militant, when you don't have heavy fire support, softening up the front lines and, and making the way easier for the foot soldiers on the front line, they're walking to a hornet's nest. Which is also exactly why anti-Pope Bergoglio is just has been relentless for eight years to go in and destroy all of them and shut them down and make it impossible to start new ones. Not a coincidence there, folks. The guy's probably the false prophet forerunner of the Antichrist. Of course he's gonna go, he's gonna go after them. Satan's probably number one target is those people in those communities. Yeah, and I would imagine probably none of the folks in those communities are listening to this podcast, but we all have the ability to to help them and to to in in a sense be the um the support squad for the heavy artillery, whether it's uh offering prayers, whether it is um I don't know if you're in contact with somebody at one of those, uh, one, one of those monasteries. I, I heard um, there. I was talking to somebody once uh, who 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 worked with the nuns up in um, uh, Nebraska, the, the the cloister Carmelites. In Valparaiso. In Valparaiso, one of the donations, two two things that are that are really useful to to donate to them: flowers and stamps. And the second one kind of confused me for a minute, but they get a lot of requests for prayers. And and requests for communication of some sort, and just simply being able to slap a stamp on something and and send it along. I mean, hey, it makes me happy that I, as as a nerd, can can do back office stuff and keep your blog going and and uh, edit audio and get it out there. And I know that affects some people and it has affected, if not conversions, then at least uh, spiritual awakenings. And I'm happy to be a conduit of that for some people. And you could do the same thing by just something simple like mail the sisters a, a booklet of stamps and maybe nice. maybe maybe the uh, monks down in Clear Creek in Oklahoma probably something similar as well uh, or just email them and say how can I help um, we can we can all be the support squad here and maybe in that respect um, play our play an additional role in addition to everything you do on a daily basis to you know do do what you're doing on it on it to, to live out your vocation do something else to help hold back the chastisement that we're long overdue for. 
Because, mm-hmm. and you say, well, why hold it back? Why hold it back? Well, because every day there are people, some, somewhere, somehow, there are people who return, who go to confession, who, you know, pick up the phone and, or go to the, go to the parish and say, I'm ready to enter the one true church, or I'm ready to return to the one true church. And so, I mean, clearly God, there aren't enough people yet. There have not been enough people made. We need to make more people. And the people here that are here now, there are people who are, who are availing themselves of his mercy and who are coming back in every day. And so in the fullness of his time and every day that we have is a day that we can help with that. We can help get more people in. And also remember the, the, the airplane admonition, please affix your oxygen mask first and then help the person beside you. Who knows? Maybe, maybe he's holding his, the right arm of the right arm of his wrath back because someone out there listening right now needs to go to confession. <laughs> then and don't say to yourself, well, that's a disincentive for a disincentive for me to go to confession because if I'm in a state of grace, so that means that God's going to, you know, rain fire and chastisement down on the earth. I mean, you know, you're thinking about it backwards. You're thinking about it wrong. He might be he might be holding back just so that you can get back in, so that when the the poop does hit the fan, that you're in a state of grace. Um, you don't don't look that gift horse in the mouth. Just go do it. Just go do it. Indeed. And I do want to uh, mention, since this, you said this was like my, my show to bring all the topics together and present them, I do want to bring up one of the um, the questions that's been submitted multiple times for the Ask Anne. And I think in, in, in a way we've answered it uh, multiple times throughout this podcast and other ones. But the question is, if, if the Lord drops the hammer on the United States to save us from ourselves, what forms do you think this particular chastisement is going to take? Oh, hard to say. I mean, I want to say you know, other than COVID. I mean, well, I mean, other than COVID, what did we all think it was going to be before? Like nuclear war, right? That always seemed. That always seemed um, romantic. Uh, not <laughs> no. It always seemed not feasible to me because remember, I mean, even though these nuclear weapons, they're big. Just consider how big the United States is and how how many warheads you would have to you would have to detonate in order to wipe out everyone and everything in the United States. I mean it's it's not you could do you could do a tremendous amount of damage, but I, I it never seemed to me that that's that that would be the sort of thing that um that was just that was feasible. Um, I think what the whole COVID situation has has brought to light is that pretty much the worst thing that God can do is exactly what it says in Scripture over and over and over again. That, you know, in the Old Testament especially, when, when Israel had just <sighs> fallen into, into demon worship and everything else and completely turned their back on God and completely forsaken God— how, how is it phrased in, in scripture? It says that God gave them up, which means he just, he just steps back and he says, all right, I'm going to leave you people to your own devices and you're going to, you're going to kill yourselves. And that's exactly what this situation with COVID is. Um, let's, let's say that the death jab is in fact a mass auto genocide project, um, which there's all kinds of evidence coming in that that's what they're, 
halfway at least trying to do, and they've been talking about it for a long time. Um, what what exactly is this? Is this some great pestilence that that God has rained down? No, no. This is this is not God doing this. This is us doing this to ourselves. If he throws up his hands and says, "You people, I'm I'm not shedding my grace on you anymore. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna provide you with any protection. I'm just gonna give you up to yourselves, and you can do to yourselves whatever you want." And I'm not going to stop you. And I'm not going to prevent you from doing it in any way. Well, what do we have? We've got people basically lining up to commit suicide. And I, I think that is, that is the thing to fear. Um, the, the desire of man, which it, it, it just seems unbelievable. And it seems unbelievable that we've turned this corner as quickly as we've turned it. But the desire of man to destroy himself. and being given up to that. And another thing, uh, something that came across my transom that bears mentioning and everyone needs to remember, there are mystics who have said that at the very, very end times, in that final great suffering, that it's not going to be physical tortures the way that, you know, the martyrs, you know, in England and, and, you know, all throughout history, there have been martyrs who have just been horrifically tortured, you know, in the early days in the Roman empire. So many of, um, so many of the saints who are mentioned in the canon were just horrifically, horrifically physically tortured. And it's, there are mystics who have said that what's going to happen at the end it's not going to be that sort of physical torture and that sort of physical martyrdom because Satan just loves that. And Satan, or excuse me, Satan just hates that because it's the blood of the martyrs and it's that suffering, um, that physical suffering that, you know, the, the church will be rebuilt on, that the, the torture that people are going to go through at the end is going to be almost entirely psychological. And then again, you say, well, wait a minute, we've just done a thing where we've declared that everybody in the world has to lock themselves in their houses and nobody can have any friends and nobody can have any family. Nobody can have any relations or conversations with anybody. And if you do, you have to put a, a burqa over your face and da, 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 da. And you think, okay, well, that might be what's going on here. So suicidal, self-inflicted, massive psychological torture that causes mass insanity. Um, and not necessarily the sort of martyrdom that, that built the church over the past 2,000 years of, as we have traditionally understood it. Because Satan, he, he's not going to make that mistake this time because I think this is his last push. And so he's not going to make that mistake and he's going to see to it. He's going to try to drive as many people insane and drive people to commit suicide as he can, because that's his ultimate victory. And there is, there is no participation. Make sure that everybody just gets their heads around this and, and tell a friend, if you commit suicide, there is nothing about that. That is any sort of a participation in martyrdom. There's no such thing as a person who commits suicide who is a martyr. That is a that is a complete contradiction of terms. So please, you know, don't fall for that trick because they're going to start they're going to start saying that they're going to start trying to sell it to people as if what a virtuous, wonderful, 
wonderful sacrifice. No greater love hath man than to lay down his life for his friends. So line up here to commit euthanasia suicide because you'll be you'll be laying down your life for your fellow man. And oh, you'll be a martyr for the earth and you'll be making atonement for all the damage that we've done to the environment. Oh yeah, you, you can see that's where anti-Pope Bergoglio, the anti-church and all of them and the new world order, that's what they're driving toward. Don't fall for it for a second. And they are driving there at 100 miles an hour in a Tesla. Yep, absolutely. Well, I was really hoping to have something positive for ending the pot, ending the podcast. Do you have anything? Um. <laughs> well, I mean, aside from aside from the fact that we're guaranteed that when things go horribly haywire and sideways, there's always an even more more greater a, a, a more powerful opportunity to receive grace. Oh yeah. And it's it's also been foretold by mystics and others that the greatest saints of the church are going to be um, are going to be realized at the end times. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a lot of open seats between, um, there's obviously at the, at the, at the top in heaven, there's our lady, there's St. Joseph, St. John the Baptist, the apostles, but there's a whole bunch of empty seats there right at the front. Mm. Do you want to claim yours or do you want to let somebody else get it? Well, we, there shouldn't be any antagonism about these things, but. Well, no, um, I mean, I, I didn't mean to say it that way. I mean, and I, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm paraphrasing uh, some things I've said before in the past. Is it, it's we always have the opportunity to do good. We always have the opportunity to gain grace. And if we look at ourselves, first off, we're turning away from God. That's a good way to go go down the wrong path. But the more that we look at ourselves in you know feeling sorry for ourselves or woe or or freaking out in fear and and, mm-hmm. and going into schizophrenia or whatnot, if we're looking at ourselves, we're looking at the wrong thing. We need to yeah. be looking at Christ. Yep. Yep. And like you, you've made the point several times, the, all of the great saints, the real ones, not the ball paid for ones of the mid 20th century forward with the real saints, they beg God to be alive. And if, and you know, I'm going to work off the assumption that this very, very well could be the run up to the big show. They begged God. Oh, they all wanted to be alive. For, for exactly this. And it's not them. It's not St. Catherine of Siena. It's not Bernard of Clairvaux. It's not even Athanasius or any of those people. It's, I just can't believe it. It's us. It's us. If, if this is the run up to the big show, the divine providence saw fit to put us here now which is just proof that the divine providence is completely unsearchable because, you know, I I don't want to speak for anyone else, but it seems like we are just about the most unlikely group. Um, What's that? uh, The bad news bears, you know, the, the misfit baseball team. That's kind of what this feels like, you know? So (laughs) God, God didn't put you here to understand it. He put you here to exercise your, your, your will to show his love for him. Yep. And you don't you don't need to know everything. You don't need to have the answers of, to absolutely everything. I mean, and you newsflash: even if you make it to the beatific vision, you'll never have you'll never be able to fully comprehend the Trinity. You'll never be able to comprehend that. And why would you want to? I mean, why why would you want a God 
who is who you in your puny human mind can you can completely get your intellect around him that's that's not much of a god at all is he no god is infinite you even in the beatific vision it and that's why it'll never be boring and you know oh i don't want it it's just the mass all the time forever and ever that sounds horrible that sounds boring no 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 very very juvenile ridiculous way to think about it i mean the the triune godhead is is in infinite infinity upon infinity upon infinity there's no exhausting it ever there's no getting getting tired there's no passage of time actually it's all outside of time anyway um don't don't worry about that it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be really 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 good which is why we need to all try really really hard to make it we need to try really hard to make it ourselves and we need to try really really hard to bring as many people along with us as we possibly can amen amen indeed i have nothing better to to end on than that so i think we're going to wrap up at this point all right let's do it the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback comments suggestions or any other good news items for wrapping up the podcast the email address is podcast at barnhart.biz Anne expresses her profound gratitude to her benefactors at least one Mass every single day, plus one traditional Catholic Latin Requiem Mass for everybody who died the previous week. Um, please pray for these priests. They're under assault like you can't imagine. Um, they're under... Now, I was going to try to make a, a funny joke about this, but no, actually, there's they're, they're under assault. And if you don't believe me, ask priests. Ask them about the weird stuff going on in their life and, and just the random things that happen that make them discouraged from time to time. And they can tell you hundreds of stories. And if you don't believe me, ask them. Uh, so pray for them. <laughs> and if you need more motivation, ask them and then pray for them. Uh, the Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or in previous episodes and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com where you can find a link for more information about that. And I'd like to recognize a few donors since the last podcast that I was on, which has been a few now. Um, I'll see. Oh, one donor sent a thank you or sent, sent a note. Thank you for bringing us these life-saving and soul-saving podcasts. Um, no need to apologize for the don- donation drop. Prayers work too. Um, but I want, want to recognize donors via the postal service, Rick James. That's two people, dun, 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 but they're back. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and as well as Steven and, and Richard, uh, via PayPal, Laura, uh, Jeffrey, Brendan, Michael, and Brendan. That's two different Brendans. I, I had to go back and validate that, that that was two different people. Um, and also I, I got an email from somebody in the, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've mentioned that, uh, that, uh, still no, I, many times in the last few months that, uh, still no donations via Bitcoin, which is probably just fine. Somebody emailed me and said, did you not get a donation via Bitcoin back in January? And I went back and looked at, looked at the applications like, Oh, <laughs> there was one show up. I'm sorry. That just tells you how, how close you got are. an entire Bitcoin. No, not an entire one. It was a, okay. it was like a, a part of one. That sounds like something I need to clip for the show open. <laughs> no, somebody somebody made a donation. I forget how many sats it was, but uh, it was it was there, and I had seen it, but it didn't click that this was something that showed up recently. But I apologize that uh, I I have that link out there for how to donate via Bitcoin, but then I don't actually check it. So I apologize that I never mentioned it before, and um, I apologize if you wanted your name mentioned. But uh, the the anonymous Bitcoin donor. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> and with that, I will stop my rambling and say it's time for the Matthew 1720 initiative. Matthew 1720, pray every day without ceasing, fast twice a week if you can, 
fourfold intention that anti-pope Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, not rooting for anybody's death, and Bergoglio needs every day he can get, and that Bergoglio someday achieve the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of anything that he might need to repent of. You know, most people, you know, as they're approaching their death, they might have one or two things to say. That he dies in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieves the beatific vision as well. Nothing less will do. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for us. And while I certainly hope it's not a month until I'm back on the podcast again, until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Ann. Thanks, guys. God bless. God bless.